the job of the chief official white house photographer is to make authentic photographs photographs break down the idea that these people are somehow different from us i've got an idea for another picture <laughs> did you get that piece yeah the first time that we went to the UN, he and Reggie Love played basketball. At one point, President Obama blocks Reggie's shot, and he goes, did you get that block? Hello, and welcome to Step and Repeat, a weekly movies and award show podcast by your two neighborhood-friendly film buffs. I'm Andrew. And I'm Matt. And we're your hosts. Uh, and each week, Matt and I roll out the red carpet and step and repeat banner for a feature film of the week to review. And this week, our movie is The Way I See It, uh, the documentary about Pete Souza, the former White House photographer for Barack Obama uh, and a little bit of Reagan. Uh, so it is available on Peacock streaming for free uh, now. So kind of great time to pick it considering Barack Obama's vice president is now president-elect. Yeah, what timing, what timing, geez. Oh my gosh. And like definitely we'll talk about this but it would have been way different if I watched it two weeks ago. And uh, so, well, that's our big movie of the week. And uh, one of the movies that's like very accessible to everybody uh, because uh, I think it was, as we've said before, uh, Peacock is free. So Peacock TV, uh, and you can watch it on there. It's actually pretty easy. All I watched was like two minutes of commercials at the beginning, and then I was able to watch the whole movie uninterrupted. So. Yeah, um, I'm, I, 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 I'm still um, trying to like Peacock. <laughs> Peacock. I, I just don't think the selection is all that great, but I mean, I had, it was easy watching the movie. Um, I have Xfinity, so I get it through Xfinity. It's a little difficult to navigate the app through my actual set-top box, but for those who, I'd actually like to know for those who actually use Peacock on a separate device, is it like easy to use? I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the in-app. I use it. I use it on my laptop. Um, oh, okay. And I've, I haven't had any real issues with um, with the design and like the setup. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know how it like works through the app. I know like every device is different. Uh, so I haven't had any, any big problems. Um, back to like Peacock and the sort of relevance and quality of Peacock. The way that I settled is that I think Peacock is a good service for existing material. Their original content, like there's not much there to, to go on. <laughs> um, and I think the way I see it is a step in the right direction. So, um, so I'm glad for that, but like I had no interest in any of their original programming, uh, but the stuff that they have on there, like their movies, like, uh, their movies are pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I have no complaints about the types of movies that they have on there. And um, obviously they have a lot of existing uh, NBC material from like sitcoms and famous NBC shows. So, uh, so I think they have like good existing material, but like in order to survive long-term, they're gonna need more original programming. 
Yeah, I don't know if uh, people like have the patience to go through every single season of CSI or. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yes, it's like they, all on they, there. <laughs> well, they do. Like that's that's the kind of uh, paradox of like streaming services is that like most people use streaming services for like comfort food and stuff, and that's why like the Office. Speaking of Peacock, um, that's why the Office leaving. Netflix to go to Peacock is such a big deal is because like net because Netflix is one of their top shows like that generates so many viewers is the office and like they're going to lose a top five show um and so yeah people do like go back and watch the stuff that they don't really have to pay that close attention to <laughs> truthfully because they know it already so yeah. it, I have no doubt that people will watch these, these types of shows. Um, yeah, I said, um, I even, when The Office went into syndication, it went on Comedy Central and I was like, man, good for them. They, they probably, people just have Comedy Central on all day now with The Office. I think it used to be on TBS, but I think Comedy Central picked it up. So, but now you when syndication. Stream. Remember when syndication was a thing? Like, yeah. I, like the whole thing, the way, oh my God, the TV landscape has changed so much. Uh, the the way that you used to like have a metric for success, um, especially financially, was like when you went into syndication, like when you produce so many episodes, usually it was a hundred. This is like back in like the nineties when you produced a hundred episodes of the TV show. Um, like, it, go to, it went to syndication and that was like when you made it because like that's how you created more and more revenue uh, down the line. But like now syndications doesn't really matter anymore like because we've pretty much shifted focus towards streaming platforms, really. Streaming platforms and like high-end cable stuff like HBO. So... Uh, so yeah, it's like super fascinating how TV has changed, even in like the last 10 years. Yeah, I would say like 90% of my TV watching, like actual cable watching is like news and sports. Other than that, it's like all streaming. So I'm like, Five, am I really, yeah. am I wasting money on, <laughs> on uh, yep. cable? I think that all the time, the only reason I do not cancel um i do not cut the cord is because of live like live television um so like news events like the debates or the election results or you know sports or award shows obviously yeah. um if so, i if i cut the cord and like i couldn't get the oscars i would not know what to do with myself or even so like i mean even with that it's kind of like a security blanket to me like yeah. I would in theory be able to find a way to watch like the Oscars if I didn't have cable, right? Like I know they, I'm sure there's some illegal website somewhere where you could like stream, right? Like, and if push came to shove, I'd be able to figure that out. Uh, I hope you're not listening NSA, I know you are. And um, like, I know that's possible, but like the amount of things that everything has to go right in order for that to happen, like I couldn't, I couldn't deal with. So um, I just like need that security to know that like what I'm watching will like is airing at that exact moment and like no interruptions, whatever. Um, so 
<laughs> I guess it's, it's a very expensive security blanket, but um, I guess that's security for you. The price you pay. Um, really. So I guess we'll get back to streaming services in a moment. Uh, sh should we switch gears to what are you watching? Well, I'm sure whatever we're watching is probably on some streaming service. So. Uh, mine is. <laughs> mine, <it. laughs> mine is. <laughs> um, who went first last week? I can't remember. Uh, I did the opening, so I think you went first. So I think it's my turn to go first. Okay. Yeah. What's so. your streaming? What's your streaming? So thing? my streaming is I've been putting it off for three weeks now, and I finally want to talk about it. I won't spoil anything for those who haven't seen it, but I just want to give my input on first three first three episodes of The Mandalorian. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, I think this season has, is, I'm shocked at how much bigger this season is so far, just the first three episodes than pretty much all of last season combined. Um, the first episode like starts off with a bang. I mean, with a bang, uh -huh. um, it is intense. And I really want to talk about this because there's one thing I really want to say and I like, I won't say any more about it because I don't want to spoil it for you, but um, I've been like wanting to say this for so long. I wish so bad I could watch this in IMAX. So, so bad. Like when you see it, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. It is the only way to watch this. Like watching watching the season on a small screen or on a laptop or even a even a television set, like like doesn't doesn't work. It doesn't work because it is so big and so massive. And this is what the Star Wars universe is meant to be, right? It's meant to be seen in a theater, experienced in a theater, I think, at least in my per my opinion. It's but meant like, to be experienced in the theater and I mean uh, sorry, so go ahead. I, I don't I don't know about that if because like you can't, like you just like physically can't. And I'm not talking mm -hmm. like COVID, but like they created this show explicitly for television and like explicitly to be a sort of small screen experience. So, um, so it's kind of like, it's this catch 22 of something you'd never ever be able to, to come to like. Right, so, so, that's, so that's kind of the point I'm trying to make is that it's, it's, a good, it's a good show, but this, it seems like a movie that I want to see in a theater. It's that that's part of what takes it away, takes away like the romance I have for the Mandalorian is because is because I feel like I should be experiencing this on the big screen. This is not like, you know, one of these like Clone Wars shows. It is like a legit 10 part movie um, that is like bigger than big. And I just, I feel so weird sitting there watching it on my television at home. And it's great. I mean, it's good. And I mean, that it, it, it it's a it, it's a compliment to the show. It means it's good, like the acting is good, but the effects, like this is what I wanted out of the new trilogy. This is what I wanted out of um, the, the episodes one through three. This, this is Star Wars. This is like Rogue One. This is like, you know, this is what I wanted the whole time. And now, now that we have it, now that I finally have it, I have to watch it at home. Um, and I mean, it's it's good. It's it's really really great. But I just I I'm not a fan of being so constricted in the way I have to view it. And it's just also a testament to how much I miss the movie theater. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. I, I, no. I think once you see it, you'll 
you'll kind of understand because it's just it's it's very big it's very big budget it's very big budget very epic and i'll just i'll just leave it at that <laughs> yeah i don't know like i i like the mandalorian but like it's if if they're designing that's feelings i see that as a i see that as a negative really like that's that's disney's fault for um giving you unrealistic expectations um because like if if they're creating a world that can only only be experienced like on the big screen then they shouldn't have made that into a tv show so mm. that's like that like isn't really a selling point to me <laughs> um like i i want my tv shows to be tv shows yeah yeah and if if that's if that's the case, which it should be, um, I would say like I, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> um, no, I mean I just, like yeah, they gotta they just, just like gotta, talking about like the big like yeah. the, spectac the spectacle of it all. Yeah, yeah, they gotta. Um, I I would the scenes where, that are died down are good, like they're acted well and they're they're good. But the the real Star Wars scenes, the real big epic scenes, they are not meant for the small screen and yeah um i mean so like, it's i think of like the long night in mm -hmm. thrones um that like a lot of people complained that it was like too dark and i actually kind of loved it i love that episode um so like i'm probably on the opposite end of the spectrum of this that like uh optimal viewing does not like get in the way of my enjoyment of a thing. I don't know. It's just not really something that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. I wish, I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could have that that same um, experience. But unfortunately, I like. I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just like the like desperation desperate need to like want to be back in the theater um but it I'm just sure, it, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it it makes me really like really want to see this in imax so yeah um anyway so anyway yeah sorry <laughs> getting sidetracked on unrelated topics yeah <laughs> we could we could talk yeah. about like like this could this could yeah this could be about anything like this isn't really a topic about the mandalorian yeah <laughs> but um yeah but anyway, the show itself is great. Uh, it's it's good. It's no, it's great. Um, the effects are great. The and I'm not I'm not I'm blocking out the viewing platforms. But the effects are great. The I think Pedro Pascal is is great this season. Um, Baby Yoda is cuter than ever. And a um, couple surprise performances. Are introduced in the first three episodes. Uh, again, not spoiling anything, but um, all the performances have turned, uh, or have, I mean, met my expectations. And I know we are getting a new character soon that was featured in one of the cartoons, which I know a lot of people are excited for. I don't really know anything, but I know Rosario Dawson is playing her, and I am excited to see her uh, back on television. So. Um, yeah, uh, that's The Mandalorian on Disney Plus. Strongly recommend um, if you are into the Star Wars lore. 
Um, I know Bryce Dallas Howard directed the most recent episode. She did. <laughs> and it, it, it feels like it. Oh, <laughs> speaking of Bryce Dallas Howard, um, I meant to tell you, because I wanted to add on this. I um, rewatched The Village. Oh, wow. Why? I mean, yeah. I, but I, I, I have people ask that question. Um, <laughs> myself right now. Um, what uh, caused you to do that? So I, I've been wanting to do it ever since we talked about it a couple episodes ago um, at your recommendation or re-recommendation, if you will, re-recommendation. Um, and I wanted to watch it for like, kind of like the spooky season, Halloween season. And I started it and for some reason had to like turn it off because I had to go somewhere. Uh, but then this past weekend, I actually last night, I finished it. Um, and I don't hate it as much as I thought. Oh, it. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, I think it's aged. I think it's aged well. Like, I think just like people, um, I, this is going to sound so bougie, but like people just weren't ready for it. <laughs> like for better or for worse. Like, I think that's a valid reason to not like a movie, but like, um, right. Like it's just, just the feelings, like how you like felt at the time, it, and hindsight is is beneficial to the village. Well, yeah. When when I first saw it, I was so young, and I obviously I didn't. I wasn't really young. I was like thirteen or fourteen, but I didn't realize, you know, the metaphors or like the meaning behind it. And going back and rewatching it, knowing what it stand, stands for now, knowing what it means, it has a whole different kind of meaning, and I have a different perspective on it. And, and there's uh, so many good actors in it too. Yeah. Like so say, many good actors. I was gonna say, and the uh, the Jurassic World reunion didn't hurt either. <laughs> between wait, 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 don't wait, don't tell me. Um, so it's Bryce Dallas Howard and who else is in Jurassic World? Let's see. I can't think of it. Who Do you want a hint? Yeah, sure. <laughs> they were sisters in the village, and they're sisters in Jurassic World. <laughs> oh, oh, um, Judy Greer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you. I would never have gotten it without the hint. <laughs> yeah. So. Very. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I I take back before what I've said about the village. I I did enjoy it. Um, and I think also like knowing the ending and like seeing it from that perspective as well also kind of helps. So. Yeah, that helps like with a lot of movies where like you think the ending, if, if you think the ending sucks, like the next time you watch it and you know it's coming, it makes the movie a little bit better. <laughs> a little bit better at least. Yeah, so um, yeah. So I've had, uh, I've had two, what are you watching? So I shouldn't be, <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed to go next week. Um, I'll turn it to I'll turn it to you now. <laughs> so this is unrelated to my what are you watching, but I'm glad that you did the Mandalorian because one of the creators of the Mandalorian is John Favreau, and like uh, the other John Favreau um, is like somewhat featured in uh, our main feature of the week, the way I see it. So like, how many? A little bit. A little bit. I know, like by a little bit, like I think they mentioned him like twice. And yeah. there's like a pod safe American t-shirt. <laughs> but like it's always made me laugh that there are like two John Favreaus that I'm pretty sure are spelled the exact same way. <laughs> so I, I wonder if they've met. It wouldn't surprise me. It would yeah. just because it is so bizarre. Um, like I don't think Favreau's that common of a name. <laughs> Uh, and and it's John, both spelled J O N. So it's like a, 
weird, this weird sort of parallel. Um, I, I actually prefer that spelling of John. <laughs> I, I always thought the H was just unnecessary, you know? It's, it got too much credit over the years. Just make it, keep it simple, stupid, J-O-N. Yeah, I don't know why the, the H, I don't know. I don't know that much about linguistics <laughs> or the name. <laughs> so, uh, Johns of the world, please tell us why. Why, especially if you have an H, why is there an H in your name? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of unfortunate names, um, I uh, watched the Army Hammer version of Rebecca <laughs> this past <laughs> weekend. Oh, boy. I, uh, I, I need to hear this. Uh, I'm going I'm to go, go on mute and let you, uh, let you have at it. Sure. Um, I did not hate it as much as I expected to because like the reviews were pretty bad and I was like, okay, this is going to be a terrible movie. Um, but I like needed to watch it anyway. I don't know why. Um, and, um, honestly it, I like kind of enjoyed it until like the last 30 minutes and then like it totally fell apart for me. Uh, so like really in the last 30 minutes, um, it just like nose dives. Uh, and that's because like, uh, the way that the story works and the story is like famous at this point, uh, it, because it was like a novel and it was a 1940 movie that won the Oscar for best picture it was directed by alfred hitchcock and it's like own it's hitchcock's only best picture winner uh and um so like at the end there's like a big twist and i won't give it away but like after like the twist and sort of like the rev resolution and where that goes then like the movie just like goes like warp speed and i'm like what is happening <laughs> and i just like completely lose kind of interest in that that's like not to say that the first hour and a half are good. Um, like there are definitely some stumbles. Like it's it's very clumsy at points, but like nothing to the point where I'm like, this is a hideous movie. Like, why does this exist? Um, so uh, I like, um, I think I'll like probably would like like to hate watch it in a sort of way. Um, I don't think there's like a whole lot bad to it. So like, I think it's getting somewhat fairly um, maligned in the press, like making it seem like it's super trash and it's not good, but like it's far from the worst thing that I've seen even this year. Um, and I still think it has like a good shot of getting like maybe one, maybe two Oscar nominations I'm thinking particularly costume design. So like there's this um, like Army Hammer shows up in the beginning in this like mustard suit that just like screams Oscar to me. Um, so uh, like thinking of that in particular. Um, and like Kristen Scott Thomas is quite good. Uh, like there's like a lot of uh, um, lesbian implications <laughs> between Chris and Scott Thomas and the titular character, Rebecca. Uh, so, um, 
So like they're able to kind of like lean into that in this 2020 version a little bit harder than I guess they were in the 1940 version. I never have seen the 1940 version, um, but they were like restricted by the Hayes Code, which was like this production um, guidelines that like you weren't allowed to do a lot of salacious things on movies, in movies. Um, and um, and like it was subject to that. So like any sort of like lesbian implication was a big no-no in 1940. Uh, so um, so so this like version gets to go hard on that. And um, I don't know, like I was expecting to be really bored and kind of hate it and I wasn't, <laughs> so it didn't really meet my expectations that way. Um, uh, but it was it was way more it was a way more interesting failure than what I expected. I don't want to say I liked it, but like I didn't hate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from the have you seen have you had you seen the Hitchcock version? No. Um, or and it's it's very difficult to like. Um, you can't stream it. Like the only way you can watch it like now is if you buy it physically. So, um, which like, I'm sure it's very great. Like I have no doubt that Hitchcock and a best picture winner um, and a well-known book um, are bad, but like, I don't know if I want to spend $20 on a Blu-ray. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, uh, long answer, so, no, I've never seen it. Yeah. So I can, uh, I think it's safe to say I, I I don't need to watch. I think I think we can call this segment I I watched so you don't have to. Oh yeah, like I yeah. this is kind of why I'm talking about it because like I never I never expected you to. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, thank you for watching it so I didn't have to. <laughs> um, bold bold statement about Kristen Scott Thomas though. What what about her? I think uh, she... uh, I thought you might have implied that she could be like. An Oscar. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Okay. I'm, the Oscar nomination would be for um, a costume design, maybe production design, because like okay. Manderley's this like big mansion, but like I kind of doubt it. Um, and it's still even a maybe for costume design. Yeah, I know. Like, um, I've heard like the costumes are pretty great, and I know like the only thing I know from the original Rebecca is Mrs. Danvers is like one of the most iconic characters of all time. Do you think Kristen, Kristen Scott Thomas uh, held? She's, yeah, she's the best. She's the best actor in this movie. I don't think, um, I don't think, Lily James is okay too. Like, I think she's uh, fine. I've, um, I've come around to like liking Lily James. <laughs> um, and I actually think she's uh, good in this. I don't think Army Hammer's, um, I don't know. He just like, I don't think it's the right role for him. Um, but that's, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. He was like miscast. Like yeah, he's no, yeah. like like he's no Lawrence Olivier, like, you know, huge shoe yeah. whatever. It's just like not, I don't know. Um, it's not a very charismatic role. And not that Army Hammer is like the most charismatic person. I mean, like, and this is what I was alluding to at like the beginning. Like his name is Army Hammer. Like it's so it's a weird ass name. Um, uh, but like his, 
his aura um, is not circled necessarily around charisma. So, and he's like, this is like a charismaless role. I don't know. Like, it's. I think this character needed to be a little bit more mysterious, and so in order to work. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people's like, like this. Like Rebecca is. I guess one of considered one of the greatest movies of all time and you know they like this movie had actors like Laurence Olivier and um Joan Fontaine who was like incredible and of course Judith Anderson who plays Mrs. Danvers um so I think there was a lot of hesitancy from the get-go and I don't know if critics just went in with negative attitudes anyways um I'm sure like yeah. this is like destined to fail yeah exactly like just like, just like Ben Hur, you remember when they made the remake of that? Uh, I <laughs> like actually, that. I actually forgot until you mentioned it on the podcast like a couple of months ago, and I was like, "They did not remake Ben Hur, Matt. You're making that up." And, yep. and I was like, "Oh wait, you're right." And it was only like three years ago. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think this should be the line. Let's stop remaking classics. Yeah, Best Picture winners like. Like agree, best picture winners do not need to be remade. Yeah, like that's <laughs> already the best picture. Yeah, when we remake them, <laughs> they they lose their charm. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, it doesn't like it doesn't it doesn't diminish the like original, but like there's no way you can ever ever live up to it. Right, right. Just do you remember when they redid Psycho and like shot for shot remake shot, of Vince Vaughn? Yeah. It was bizarre. That was, yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of like, why? Just why? That's the, the sort of question. Um, oh, money. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, and there's like some, like the original Rebecca is like black and white. And like, they can add like a lot of pretty colors to this one. Like, I think there are reasons like why it might be okay where I can see like a universe where you would want to do that. Um, but like, it's just kind of like one thing after the other that didn't really like add up to anything interesting. So yeah. Um, anyway, it's on Netflix at <laughs> this right. platform. Well, uh, speaking of shot for shot, shall we move on? Uh, oh, I see what you did there. That was good. Wow. Can we move on to our uh, picture of the week. <laughs> our actual, yeah, our actual shot, our actual movie, the way I see it. Yes. All right. So the way I see it, it's a uh, a movie, a uh, <laughs> movie now on Peacock that we mentioned at the beginning um, about the chief White House photographer Pete Souza uh, and his kind of telling from a 2020 standpoint about his day, mostly about his days in the uh, in the Oval Office shooting or following Barack Obama around during his presidency. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was, it, yeah, uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's available now on Peacock TV um, and as I mentioned, um, and we had this debate um, a couple months ago, by the way. It's, so it's PeacockTV.com, by the way. Uh, so I know there's like some confusion of like what the actual website 
Uh, yeah, so it premiered um, on Peacock TV, or sorry, I lied. Um, it first premiered at inter internationally, the Toronto International Film Festival, which is virtual. Um, but it then was aired on MSNBC in mid-October, and soon thereafter, it moved to Peacock TV. So maybe you caught it on MSNBC or DVR'd it or something. Um, yeah. Another movie that was um, did not coincidentally come out just before the election. So. Oh, totally, totally. Um, and like, I'm actually very intrigued as um, to why or what the long-term game plan for all these TV networks uh, producing movies, pretty much all documentaries, if not all documentaries, like CNN films um, did uh, like RBG, the RBG movie, and they did the um, Apollo 11 movie. So these like movies, these documentaries that are like kind of based on, <laughs> like definitely based on real events and real people, but like somewhat related to the news. So like, that's how they can kind of get away with it. Um, but I just kind of wonder, um, what are their goals? Like, what are their long-term goals? Like, I didn't know MSNBC had like a movie arm <laughs> until until this. I think their goal was just to make Trump look bad. <laughs> it is MSNBC after all. Yeah, I, I mean, Yes, but like, I mean, with the movie, with movies, not just like, not yeah. the way I see it, but like yeah. overall, like, do they want to expand? Like, do they want to saturate the market more? So it's- I, would, I wouldn't mind it. Um, I think they make the two I've seen, the well, RBG and the way I see it, I, I don't hate them. I mean, I, well, I think they're uh, good. RBG was uh, CNN. Like, C yeah, C yeah. CNN's doing the same thing is what I was saying. That that's what I mean. So like, yeah. but like, so like the oh, 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 I see. Yeah, like the the major news networks diving into these kind of documentary type films. I if they stay in their lane, like politics, I don't mind it I, as long as they know what they're doing. I, it's educational. I bet you, like, see, that's what I see. Like, I'm pretty sure they're gonna like step out of their lane eventually. <laughs> like, they'll eventually get into probably series, like scripted series. Um, so, oh my God, I just said Siri. Yeah. <laughs> my phone <went> off. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if I see them going the scripted series route, but. Well, it depends like how successful they are. Right? Yeah. So anyway, it's just like a sort of curiosity of mine. It's not nothing that I like really care about or opposed to. Um, so anyway, so that's just like where the like, origins of the way I see it come from. But um, yeah, this is uh, we're doing another documentary. Like, look I at know. us. We're so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look at us. <laughs> <laughs> Pat ourselves in the back. We're educated, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, uh, one of the like really great things about streaming services and like Netflix is that, um, even though this isn't a Netflix movie, I know, um, but Netflix does produce a lot of documentaries. 
And streaming services have like really, really opened up the market to documentaries. And more and more people are interested in documentaries like than ever, ever before. So, um, so in some ways, I don't think it's by mistake that we've now covered two documentaries, both of which were on streaming services. Uh, so like, it, it, it makes me happy to know that like, um, that people are kind of broadening their tastes a little bit. And I think that is solely responsible of streaming services and like the way that they market them and like the way that they invested in them. Like they didn't have to do that necessarily, but they are. And I don't know, not that every documentary is perfect, but like watching more and more documentaries um, makes you realize like which the good ones are and like it exposes you to different kinds of um, both art and um, true life facts. So so it's like it's it's cool and um, the way I see it, it's definitely definitely a part of that. Yeah, I always like when the Astros come around because it forces me to watch more documentaries because like those are the, the um, only movies I had like I haven't seen those in the shorts. So um, the ones I get around to like. I'm always like, oh God, I gotta watch another documentary. But like every documentary that I see that's nominated, I'm always like, oh, that was really good. Really good, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I learned I something. Uh, so I don't know, I haven't seen anything. I honestly didn't do research on it and I should have. Um, since this is like something that aired on MSNBC um, and it's on Peacock, which is very much an NBC network, like, are they going to push this for only Emmys? Now, the documentary category is like very, very weird. And it has been weird for years um, because like sometimes there are like documentaries that can get both Oscar and Emmy nominations, um, like OJ Made in America. Um, and sometimes like they're not. And I think like exacerbated by the pandemic in the way that like so many movies have just completely shifted to online platforms temporarily, um, doesn't make this conversation any easier. But like, I, it makes me wonder if they're gonna push us for Oscar eligibility or not. Uh, the few articles that I've seen, I, I haven't, which haven't, they've only predicted that this could be in the running for the Oscars, but there's no, I didn't read anything on what they're going to campaign it for. So, and I don't, I don't even think it like cracked the top five for like, at least earlier on a, a couple months ago, it didn't even like crack the top five for like what could be nominated for Oscars, but that could always change. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Like there's, um, there's like a lot of good documentaries, like Boy State, I think, which we covered earlier has like a really good chance of, of getting there, if not winning. Um, Crip Camp uh, on Netflix, uh, which is from like the Obama production company. Um, and they won the Oscar last year. So like, I don't think um, there's any reason to doubt why they wouldn't do well um, this year too. So like, those are just like two other streaming, streaming movies that are um, in the running for the Oscar, at least this year. But like, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, if it'll be Oscars, Emmys, or both, who knows. All these documentaries about politics, Boy State, the way I see it, Crip Camp, which is by Obama's company. Like, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't think that's by mistake. Yeah. <laughs> We're in a hyper-political era. Um, okay, before we get too uh, deep into it, should we do our 10 words of fewer? Uh, yes, mine is actually 11 words. Can I get a, a can I get a- can, um, I, can I give you one? Can I give you one of my words? I'll, uh, I'll forego mine and I'll do nine words of fewer. That's fine, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll borrow from, from your yeah. pool. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and then I'll, I'll do it. Oh, here. mine's easy because mine's only two words. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> oh. You're going to make me cry. I, oh, uh, I cried. I cried so many times watching this movie. I did too. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was glad I was watching it alone. Like, I shouldn't be crying right now, but um, mine is um, a, I don't know, a provocative look through the lens of the eyes of history. Yeah, very true. It's very apt. Yes. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll, uh, I don't really need, think there's a need for a spoiler warning. Because yeah. we all know how this turns out. <laughs> uh, it did this since it aired before the 2020 election. Um, it goes up to pretty much the pr uh, pretty much mid 2020 is when I'll say it goes through. Yeah, like yeah, like, like the, the height of the peak of COVID. Protests. Even though yeah. we're at peak now, but yeah, I know, uh, I know. <laughs> Who knows if this is even peak? peak. <laughs> oh, oh, it's terrifying. Um, well, uh, hopefully that goes down when Joe Biden gets in the White House in 60 some odd days. You better knock on some wood real quick. Oh, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> Funnily enough, this, um, I was just before we started recording, I was listening to Pod Save America where they were talking about this. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's, I, I have no doubt, like it's, I'm not, I'm not particularly worried about any actual, um, no transition taking place. What I'm worried about with the lack of, um, cooperation from the Trump administration to the president-elect is like the lack of resources that are, that's given to, um, the transition team. So like that lack of transition, like, that's not just like email or money. Like the thing that worries me is um, like national security briefings. Like um, that's gonna be by not having those and then taking the job day one and then suddenly getting them is um, gonna create for a lot of catch up. And so that is, that is the big thing that I find problematic, but like, Trump can complain all he wants. Like hell, the day we're recording this, there's, I live in DC and there's a big MAGA rally going on right now. So I saw already all people with flags outside today. Yeah. Well, and that's where, that's, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that's worry number one, big worry number two, or even like tied for number one is the recent uh, firing of the um, DOD, uh, sec um, oh my God, Secretary of Defense. Um, yeah, that just that scares me. That like, just not good. And like Mark Milley, like, if he's next to go, then we've got a huge problem. Um, so anyway, I know. So it's like some sort of and this now all this ties like back into watching the way I see it because like if I watched this movie two weeks ago 
um, or even like a week ago, a little over a week ago before we were like entirely sure of the um, election results, it would have been, it would have been anxious. I would have been anxious watching this. It would have been like, oh God, like, please do not let this, like, let this man win again. Um, but like now having watched it after Biden won, like that allowed me to be more sentimental, like about this. And it was like a happy times are here again, <laughs> like uh, sort of moment and like get caught up in it all. So, um, so that, that is what kind of like created it for me because like, um, now, now to a certain extent, I'm kind of like, it's like, well, it's only 60 days. Like, let's just get through these 60 days. Like, try not to screw up the country as much as possible yeah. 60 days. So yeah. now there's an, a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Um, surprisingly, not, not surprisingly, because um, this is an Obama focused movie, but uh, there's a brief mention of Biden and you see him obviously a few times in the pictures, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, it gives you a sense of hope and relief. I, I'm, I'm glad I, I saw it <laughs> after, <laughs> after the Me election too. results, because I, yeah, you're right. I would have been, yeah. I would have been kind of anxious during the whole thing. What did you think of um, actually, the, I, that lack of Biden? Like, what did you make of that? Um, I wasn't surprised. I because it's it's not about Biden. It's about Obama. It's about the the um, Obama's White House photographer. And uh, but like you they, know, so they made it full on knowing. Like this goes up through mid twenty twenty. At that point, they knew he was the nominee. Uh, so like if they really wanted, really wanted to lean hard on the political aspect, they could have put in a little more Biden. Um, I'm glad that they didn't for the record. Yeah, like, I, I think they did that on purpose because I think, I think the Biden, the, the campaign, the 2020 campaign tells a whole, like that's a whole different story. That's a whole different can of worms. This is more focused on the Obama presidency and then after the Obama presidency and um, the Trump administration really, and what's going on, how the Trump administration reacted to the Obama policies in the Obama administration. Um, and, you know, that's kind of like, that's kind of whole, the whole point. Like, that's like, this this movie is a telling of his, of his, um, Pete Sousa's kind of book about, uh, called Shade. And I think that's an awesome title, um, uh, where, they kind of explain it where they show, um, you know, a tweet that Trump put out and then Pete Sousa replies with one of his photos about how the Obama administration handled the same exact uh, situation. Um, and like, this is like how it should be done or how a president should do it. Um, and he's pretty much just like trolling Obama the whole time on Instagram. Or, um, sorry, he's trolling Trump the whole time on Instagram. And I I live for that. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, so yeah, uh, going back to your original thing, uh, original question there, there is like a brief mention of um, Pete Souza, like in, I forgot which city he was in, but he like sees someone or he sees like uh, someone um, with like 
all the nominees like in the primaries and he's like oh you know I'll pick Biden because uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. he did like, I forgot about that yeah he's like I'll pick Biden because I know Biden and that was pretty much it and I think so like going back to what I was talking about earlier I think they did that on purpose just one because because the primaries and the election tell a whole different story that's a whole different thing um that's that wasn't the point of what they were trying to get at this time uh and two we when this movie came out we didn't obviously we didn't know the election we knew that biden was going to be the nominee but we didn't know the election results and i don't think they wanted to kind of have a focus on him just you know in case he wasn't the nominee like they still like wanted to focus on trump and his 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 reactions to obama obama's presidency so um, this movie is like uh, obviously about a lot, um, but uh, one of the key themes that you um, see in the movie is like, what are the characteristics of a president? Like a good president, it doesn't even have to be good, but like um, they're saying like, there are a lot of different characteristics that make up for a leader. And like Donald Trump has none of those because like he very simply lacks empathy. And like this, pretty much 80% of this movie is about the empathy of Barack Obama and how Pete Souza was able to capture that on photo in, in photographs and um, contrasting that to the lack of empathy and selfless or selfishness of um of donald trump um and i think that's also why they bring in his time he worked for a couple years in the reagan white house uh and so he says like at the time he was like i i wasn't even that political even during the obama years he says like he wasn't that politically engaged um and and so the way, the reason he brings Reagan in and he's like, yeah, I didn't like really agree with a lot of his policies, like especially like how he responded to the AIDS crisis. Um, but the way he says he was like, but like he was a good man, like he was like, he was a nice person <laughs> and like had the way that I saw him like with other people, like he like had love for like other people, like they kind of it's only like 10, 15 minutes that they spend on Reagan, but like they talk about like his relationship with Nancy Reagan. And so, so they bring, so he says like, there's like a real person under there and like the way like Donald Trump's like not even a real person. <laughs> so yeah. one thing I liked about that was that um, when they mentioned that Reagan, like and the way he handled the age crisis uh, and how it was not good. And then they show, then they say, well, like, his position kind of changed over time a little bit. And you see him like holding a picture of a baby with HIV and kind of saying like, you know, that was a that was a very nice moment, um, kind of him showing the world like, it's not a disease, you know, to be scared of like, um, I mean, it is a disease to be scared of, but like you can still have human connection, um, which I thought was actually like, I think I thought it was a really good touch to put in like, cause it, it actually showed how Reagan was empathetic. <laughs> yeah, um, like it was, he, they make the point that it was like, yes, it was too late to do that. But like, even by this simple photograph, like that at least changed the needle. It started to change the needle, even if the needle changing did 
come too late. Like at least this was the impetus for that. Yeah, and that's that that's was, kind of that was the point I got. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the whole crux of um, photojournalism is these pictures, these the photo these photos do tell a story. You know, they there is there is real meaning behind the term. You know, a picture tells a thousand words, um, and especially when you have a position like Pete Souza and you're and you're covering the president of the United States every day, all day. Um, it it gets to a point where it gets to be tedious. I know they mentioned a part in the movie, part in the movie where, you know, he's kind of um, he takes he takes pictures every day of Obama with his uh, with his advisors in the Oval Office, um, and he says what his photo editor comes out and says like I couldn't look at any more of these pictures until I saw one picture of Obama sitting in that room with this like look of absolute dread on his face, um, and she says like basically like. I broke down in tears when I saw that picture. Like I, I cried, and because I knew he, I knew he was facing a decision um, that was just impossible. Um, and I, I thought that was like also a really great moment. And I think it's really important, like, to know that yes, like, while yes, we have like video and TV, like pictures, like photojournalism is still very important. Like it's still like it. They these people are like not necessarily Pete Souza when he was a photographer, but, or when he was in the uh, White House, but like he was a photojournalist. He came from this world of photojournalism and that's what he brought to the White House. Um, and these people, like we, they are journalists and they are under attack every day, just like print reporters, just like people on CNN, like anchors on CNN, they are under attack too. Um, and these people, all they're doing is trying to tell a story through, and like I said in, in, in um, my 10 words or fewer, like, they are the eyes of history. Like, this is what they're doing. <laughs> and um, if anything, photojournalists are like they—they're the ones that shouldn't be attacked at all because the cameras—the cameras don't lie. Like, the pictures don't lie. Like, yes, they can do camera tricks, but like, when it comes to covering politics or covering protests or riots, pictures don't lie. Photojournalists—they—they they don't lie. Um, and it's—it's—it's really it's, it's a real—it's sh a real shame to see what they have to go through uh, today, especially in today's administration. Sorry, yeah. you were saying? No, um, there's a great moment um, where kind of like, Pete Sousa is like talking about the value of, of photography, um, especially compared to um, video, I think. And he was like, the undertones were basically about like YouTube or whatever. Um, and he was saying like, well, like a photograph can like, snap a moment in time and like to your point of like a picture telling a thousand words like Pizza is like responsible for like so many <laughs> iconic photographs over the last what, 10 years um I think like uh I mean pick which one you ever want I would say probably the most famous um is the one of the Bin Laden uh, of like the of Obama and his cabinet essentially um, like in I don't think it's quite the situation room but um, in the room and like watching it happen like Hillary Clinton's uh, mouth or hand is over her mouth um, uh, so that like that picture is obviously like very sure what 
widely shared um, and even referenced. Um, I love the shot in the movie Okja. Um, it's like so good um, with Tilda Swinton being in the Hillary Clinton role. Uh, anyway, digress. Uh, and um, like responsible for like a lot of other ones too. Um, like, and they talk about pretty much all the, the really famous ones that you've seen. Um, so like the uh, five-year-old kid, um, like the little black boy from like Philadelphia, like feeling Barack Obama's hair. I'd like to make sure that's real kind of. And it's like, uh, it's like, it's such a moment. Um, and that, yeah, that's it. Like, it's such a moment. Like when you say those like words, like out loud, like I kind of just said that like flippantly, like it's a moment but like that's exactly what they're doing like they're preserving moments so um so it's really um, yeah it was something special and it's like why well, i cried several times yeah this movie um i so one i would say that um yes i, I do agree with you that is the most iconic photo of his presidency i would say the second most iconic photo well at least to me is um the picture of him hugging michelle uh, I think at this, um, I forgot where it was. Uh, it was a big moment for him though. I forgot, <laughs> I forget what, I think it was, it was something somewhere around his, around the, uh, his second election, but it's a picture of him hugging Michelle and you just see his face like over her shoulder and it just, it's so, it's, it's the moments that the best pictures of him, I think are pictures that make him look human. The pictures make him look like a like a good father, a good family man, a good husband. Um, like you know, this. I mean, yes, it's Obama, but he's just another guy. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy, and he's a family man. He works hard, um, and like they, I, I appreciate that Pete, um, like, strived for that. You know, like that he really wanted to show Obama as a as a. Um, as a good person and as a decent man. Um, I, I teared up so many times and I think I almost lost, I, I lost it like towards the end, but I almost, I almost cried at the scene. Uh, there's a scene where Pete shows um, Obama playing with Sasha and Malia out in the snow. Um, and I was like tearing up then. And I think like the next scene they like two scenes later they started talking about um the this um scotus uh gay marriage holding gay marriage and i that's when i just i lost it like i had to like pause it i was crying so much i was like this is like and i think like the music in the background just like was so good too um but yeah that that was like the scene where I, like that really got me um especially when it's uh especially when like pete was saying that you know Obama had people on his staff who uh, now could get married. Um, and it showed, it even showed like when Obama was in an interview and he was like, I'm evolving on this issue. And like that buildup was like, oh, it was so, it was so perfect. Um, so yeah, I was like, see, I was that was one of the things where I was like, where I was like curious that they left Biden out because Biden, Biden did it first. <laughs> <laughs> so Biden was the first person to like come out in support of uh, yeah. gay marriage. And then that's like what led to the domino effect. Um, uh, that's, 
but like there are that's like a minor thing in comparison because like another thing that they did was like we were talking about when like oh like the day the ACA passed I was like oh my god the ACA passing was so dramatic and it was like so much more dramatic than like even they make it out to be in the movie that it was kind of like it was like never mind like there's too much to talk about like uh, like okay sure the ACA passing yeah <laughs> end of story yeah right. you you should have been on the hill for it it was even more dramatic there exactly um, so it's kind of like it's just one of those like things where like they just like didn't have enough time and it would have like distracted i think like from the um from the larger story um yeah and i think like if they had mentioned biden um previously to the supreme court um decision i think it would have taken it away um and while yes like a lot of us do know that Biden had a strong impact on that? It would have taken away from the the story of Barack Obama and him as a person, because story- like like as I was saying like before, it was like that buildup of his of him as a president and him in the White House and um, his evolution on the issue as well. So I, I just I think it would have taken away, but that's like so the whole. Um purpose of one of the, like the themes of the movie too is how Pete Souza became political because of Obama. Uh, like it wasn't, um, it was like after he left the White House and seeing that contrast and like really reflecting on those times. It's like what caused him to like, become more of a voice, um, even if only through Instagram or whatnot but like the way that he knows how and can so um, so that's so like I think that's like worthy and worth worthwhile and because I've talked about this on previous podcasts of like how I typically don't like political documentaries because I usually like know everything but like when they kind of tap into the sort of human side of it more it like it makes it like way more interesting. It taps into the why instead of the what. And like this movie really taps into the why. So like, so this is one of the um, instances where I liked, <laughs> I liked the political documentary. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> there are times when I thought I was a little too close to it. And, uh, but I, you know, I, I liked it and I took it for what it was and I um it it was nice to see that different perspective in the White House and you're right and the why of that perspective like why uh why do we do this and then I think <laughs> so another thing I I liked about this movie is that I mentioned earlier is the comparisons to Trump so you see they mentioned that Sousa kind of covers the White House every day on a daily basis. Um, he gets into the big meetings and the big rooms where it happened. Um, and he has full access to pretty much full access to the White House. Um, whereas Trump, his photographer, is they mention that he is, she is pretty much only invited to certain events or certain photo ops or certain, it's, they seemed almost staged. Um, there's a scene where they kind of like, kind of try to compare that famous Bin Laden raid picture of Obama to 
uh, Trump doing something similar. Um, and it just, and I think that was that in the situation, I think it was in the situation room, but um, again, like that seemed almost staged. It, it didn't have the same effect. Well, like, um, and I'm shocked, frankly shocked that they didn't bring this up in the movie, especially because it goes through mid 2020, um, kind of the, the most like famous photo, I'm sure that'll end up being part of Trump's presidency involving photo is him posing like with the Bible like in front of uh, in front of the church, like where he just tear gassed his own citizens. Um, so like, and again, for very clearly a photo op, like a staged event. So, and that just sums up, I mean, it's the worst of the worst, but like that just sums up everything you need to know about Donald Trump and photography. Uh, or Donald Trump in general. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also like, again, like don't mean to bring up Mark Milley, but <laughs> he was there and representing the military. And um, I think they also mentioned in the movie that like Milley had mentioned that like he was remorseful for that and for being there. And I don't know if he was only remorseful because of the way it looked or was he actually remorseful? He didn't want to be there. Um, like he shouldn't have been there. Uh, or like, was it just bad because of the way it looked in pictures? Um, so I don't know. I, I, that whole situation was just awful. Like that was so bad. Um, and I'm like, so how many days now? <laughs> 70, exactly. 71. Exactly. Uh, I think it's fewer than 70 now. It's yeah. it's in the 60s for the day we're recording this. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, we'll see how Biden's photographer does. <laughs> I wonder who it's going to be. I know. They, they make it like very clear that like Pete Souza is like, yeah, I'm probably not going back into photojournalism now. Like, I don't think I can because I'm no longer impartial. <laughs> he, I don't think he can no longer go back into uh, or no respective um, company would hire him unless he, he or uh, he also can't go back into government because or at least as a White House photographer because he is. Well, no, I guess he could. Yeah, I guess I he mean, could if be he Biden, did for Reagan, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like. I don't think he could like. I don't think he would want to. Yeah, it didn't Biden. sound like he wants to. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he's happy walking in the woods, taking pictures of mushrooms. Yeah, he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right. Well. Um, anything else you to say? I don't know. Um, yeah, it was like, it was good. It was, um, yeah, you should check it out. Definitely check it out. Especially if you miss Obama, it'll it'll make you reminisce in a good way. Well, it'll make yes. you try in a good way. Yeah, very much in a good way. It's very, um, uh, very sentimental. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of focus on Michelle too, which I appreciated. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Well, that next is the up, way I see it now. Next up will be the Obama uh, biography, part one, autobiography, part one.
Oh yeah. Uh, Month, I think. Yeah, that's coming out, right? Or is real it? Soon. Or, yeah. yeah, real soon. Are you gonna read it? Oh yeah. <laughs> or, sorry. You, you got to get it first. I'm sure that's yeah. on back order. Uh, oh yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna ask for it for Christmas. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll get the I'll get the audiobook because I want him to read it to me in his nice sultry oh, yeah. voice. Sultry voice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I wonder if he'll do the audio. Yeah, he will. He'll do the audio for me. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I can't imagine why. It would, it Did would... you read? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Were you going to ask if I read Becoming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew. I just like somehow knew that was a question. Yeah. Um, I did. I re uh, really liked it a lot. Um, it's uh, really great. It's like split into um, very key moments like throughout her life too. It's not just like about the White House. It's like about her. So, uh, so I very, um, very much enjoyed it. Um, the book, the book is better than the movie. There's the, um, there is the Becoming documentary on uh, Netflix too, which is really just like an addendum to the book. It's like not, it's like, I'm like even hesitant to call it like a documentary. It's just like an added bonus, so. I the documentary, isn't that just like a movie about the book tour? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like they still touch on like moments that happen in the book. So um, yeah, but like it's it's not bad by any means, um, but like um, the book is more um, in depth. Shocker, a book is more in depth than a movie, <laughs> so. she She will be a senator in the next 10 years. I, it doesn't sound like she wants it either. I th I think she will. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Do you think um, Biden's first uh, Biden's first Supreme Court pick is going to be, be uh, Garland? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, looking at the ages of a lot of them, it wouldn't even surprise me if Biden doesn't get to pick one <laughs> at all. <laughs> Oh, don't say that. <laughs> unless uh, unless he adds unless he adds three more on. No, I mean I mean that was very intentional for the Trump administration to pick young people to join. So. No, I mean like if he stacks the court. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah. I don't think that's yeah. good. But, no, I don't I don't either. I yeah. was just I was just joking. Um all right. Well, that's enough about politics. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They're very political. Um yeah. but it's like it comes to second nature to me. It's like all roads lead back to politics for me somehow. Oh, me too. It's political. Yeah. Politics and movies, that's what we do here on Step and Repeat. Yeah, it's pretty much my life. <laughs> Mine too. All right, so um, I don't know, are we giving a tease of next week or no? Let's, let's uh, we didn't give them a tease of this week, so let's keep them for surprise. Keep them guessing, okay, yeah. all right, sounds good. Well then, I guess uh, it is my due diligence to take us out here. So, unless do you have anything else to add on? No, uh, no, that's all. Peacock.tv. Right. I screwed up. Peacocktv.com. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> before he screws up any more websites, <laughs> that's it from us. <laughs> uh, so we'd love to hear more from you. Let us know what you think of the podcast, and uh, let us know what you thought of our movie of the week, the way I see it, um, if you got the chance to watch it. And while you're at us, at it, send us a, your, uh, well, 
we didn't have a cage match this week, so don't send us your your uh, winner. Um, you can reach us on Twitter at Repeat Step Pod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash step and repeat pod or send us an email at step and repeat pod at gmail.com. You can also find more of our reviews on the Letterboxd app. Andrew is at A Shine and I am at M Grant 1219. And please spend a few seconds to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. New reviews help us find new listeners. And if you give us a five star review, We'll give you a 60-second review of any film of your choosing. Um, so until next time, thank you for listening. And I think I speak for Andrew when I say that it's an honor just to be considered. <laughs>